RSA Conference 2013 is kicking off in San Francisco February 25th. And information security attorney Joseph Burton, managing partner at law firm Dwayne Morris, is one of the featured information risk leaders. At RSA, Burton will sit on three panels discussing various security topics and the legal implications for a number of business and industry sectors, including financial, when he'll actually be a panelist for a bank info security discussion. Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group, and I'm here today with Joseph Burton, who gives a preview of some of the topics and security angles he expects to address during his panel discussions at RSA. Joe, thanks for joining me today. As I noted in my introduction, you'll be sitting on three panels at RSA, including one with me, to discuss fraud liability disputes between banking institutions and customers related to account takeover incidents. But what can you tell us overall about the three panels you'll be sitting on and the topics that you expect to explore? Thank you, Tracy. Good to talk to you. And uh, I'm say I'm always uh, actually humbled to be at RSA, um, the best, greatest security conference in the country, and a good place for lawyers to so actually get grounded a little bit. So I'm uh, always glad to be there. I think this year, uh, two of the panels, there are going to be some issues that will cross. For example, the panel that I'm on with you with respect to uh, banking issues is going to cross a little bit with a panel I'm doing on hot topics. And certainly one of the hot topics of the last uh, year and into this year is the continuing question of the liability of either uh, banking institutions or businesses for fraud perpetrated on their accounts. There's been a little movement since we talked about it last year, and uh, I think that's going to be a very uh, interesting issue. And another issue that's starting to really seep into the consciousness, I think, a little bit more is an issue that we'll talk about in a uh, panel I'm on on legal ethics, and that really has to do with the legal responsibilities imposed by the ABA by the ethical rules with respect to how attorneys deal with technical issues. And that is something that I think is becoming more and more in the minds of attorneys, and we're starting to really address what needs to be done, what responsibilities we have as attorneys in dealing with these issues. I look forward to all of these, but just those three panels are going to be very interesting. I think it's going to be a very interesting discussion for lawyers and also for non-lawyers. I mean, the one thing about the RSA is you have that integration between the technical community and the legal community, and the two communities really do need to communicate together in order for us to go forward. And so I think uh, the panels will be very interesting for both sides of the House. In your discussion on Tuesday, you're going to address emerging regulations and compliance mandates that are affecting information security. What specific industries do you think will be mentioned during that panel? Well, I think the banking industry, I think there's been activity in healthcare, significant activity in healthcare with the release of the new HIPAA regulations. I think those two have really shown probably the greatest movement and there's probably the most meat to discuss in those two particular industries. And there are obviously important industries. Banking and healthcare are very important industries, uh, important to the economy of the United States or the health of the nation. So uh, those would be the leading two, I think. And are there any topics that you think stand out when it comes to regulatory mandates or compliance issues? I think there's an issue sometimes of too much emphasis on regulatory mandates or the minutiae of some of the regulations. And if there's one thing that I believe that the PATCO case told us, 
is that it's not just enough to take a regulation and read the regulation and say that you fulfill the letter of the regulation. If the implementation of the requirements of the regulation are lax or lacking, and I think that that is an important issue that needs to be discussed. I think sometimes we focus too much on the compliance issue. It's the old thing that compliance is not security. And I think right now, particularly in the banking industry, there is this real notion of if I can go down the, uh, the checklist of regulations or requirements, and if I say that I have them, that's going to be enough. And that's not enough to deal with the nature of the problem that the banking industry is facing right now. So that's going to be, I think, an interesting discussion and one I look forward to having. Now, as for the panel discussion that you're going to have on techno-ethics, which takes place on Wednesday, that discussion will focus on technology management and client-facing activities. Can you give us a primer there, Joe? The issue there will discuss, really, what's the effect of the ABA rules, specifically, I believe it's uh, Rule 1.1 and, and Rule 1.6, with respect to an attorney's responsibility to protect the confidentiality of client information. How do attorneys go about doing that? How do law firms, not just individual attorneys, go about doing that? What's the extent of their requirement to do so? And what you're starting to see, uh, a number of states have their own rules with respect to the confidentiality question and what attorneys should do. Are attorneys allowed to use Dropbox? for example. Is that a good idea or is that a bad idea? Is it an idea that is inconsistent with the ABA rules with respect to confidentiality? Is encryption necessary? In what circumstance is encryption necessary? And how do you do it? And what is sufficient encryption? The cloud is obviously a major issue in computing now. What responsibilities do attorneys have for their client's information that's in the cloud and how do they go about safeguarding it. So those are all issues that are coming to the fore, will be, I really think, front and center throughout 2013, 2014, and we'll sort of discuss those and hopefully offer some insights and maybe some solutions to those questions. Now, you mentioned the ABA and then some of the state regulations, but do you think that some of the legal concerns related to technology as it's used across various industries will be addressed as well? Yes, to the extent that they have a legal interface, they're going to be addressed. And by that I mean in any instance in which attorneys are involved in interfacing with their clients in various industries, the attorney's responsibility for handling that client information is going to be an issue and one that needs to be discussed. I would say that I don't know that the responsibilities will be different or will vary from industry to industry. I think the attorney responsibility is across industries, and that's the perspective from which it ought to be viewed. Now, I think there could be circumstances, there could be special circumstances where a particular industry is, has a nuance or has a greater need for client confidentiality, and they would have to be addressed. But I think pretty much in general, the principles apply across industries pretty much in the same way. Now, the discussion that you'll have with Bank Info Security, as you mentioned, will address some of these legal obligations related to incidents of ACH and wire fraud, which continues to be a hot topic for every institution. 
But do you believe that some of this discussion might be of interest to other industries? I think it would be from the standpoint, again, compliance is not security. And the important issue is figuring out how to implement security measures. It's not technical. It's a matter of implementing measures in a way which provide effective security that is going to be the basis upon which, in the legal setting, you're going to have a defense or you're going to be found liable. That principle is one that applies across industries. Moreover, one thing about the PACO case is a case which addressed one of the key issues left open with respect to liability for actions on the Internet. And that is the question of what sort of duty or responsibility do users and consumers of information across the Internet have with respect to each other and where there's a breach of that duty, however that duty is defined, what constitutes sufficient damages in order to rise to the level to make a cognizable legal action. And if you look across time, there still are very few civil cases that have been brought and have gotten past summary judgment or some sort of motion to dismiss and gotten to the point of an actual trial with damages. Talking about cases involving some allegation of the misuse of the Internet, of a data breach, uh, a loss of information. There are very, very few cases that have gone all the way through, and most of the cases have died on the question of whether or not there was a duty owed to one of the other parties in the case and or whether or not there were damages shown. And this, by the way, was an issue that came up in the recent federal legislation. The federal privacy and security regulation really didn't pass Congress, and we're starting from uh, zero once again on this legislation. But this issue is unresolved, and that's one of the reasons that you see very few cases that are successful. There are cases which are settled, but there are very few cases in which uh, the case goes to the jury, there's a jury finding, and there's a payment. That's an issue that the PACO case raised, discussed to some degree, and I think is applicable to other cases. And one other thing along that line is, for me, one of the most interesting things about the PACO case was the question of whether or not the business had a responsibility with respect to its security, and if so, the relationship between that business's duty and the duty of the bank to provide security. And when the case went back to the lower court, I was at least hoping that there would be an opportunity to explore that issue. Since the case settled after we went back to the lower court, we've never had really any further elucidation of that issue. But I think it's out there and it's ripe for discussion and presentation in a range of cases involving data loss, uh, information loss. Joe, you know, we've talked about account takeover incidents so much over the last three years. What more do you think really needs to be explored from a technical and legal perspective? I think it is sometimes too focused on the technical aspect. I, I'm one to, to say that I think that this is not a technical problem. There are methodologies to diminish the incidence of uh, account takeover, but I think there are also methodologies which would allow for 
the reaction, the identification of circumstances in which account takeover may be occurring and to take action in response to that. I don't think that it need be a legal question and I don't think it need be a technical question. The technical means are there. It's a matter uh, of application. It's a business question as to whether or not banks are going to take responsibility for these things and implement procedures that will lessen the risk. One of the uh, European banking authorities took the approach to say, you know, banks ought to assume that their customers' computers are infected and to proceed from that premise, which is interesting if you think about it. It says, if I assume that there's malware sitting on my customers' computers, What do I do in order to lessen the the chance that there is going to be an account takeover? How do I identify when that may be happening? What do I do when I think it may be happening in order to protect myself and to protect the customer? I, I think more thinking along that line has to go on if we're going to really get to the heart of the problem. But it's very easy to try to make this a legal question about liability. The legal arena should be the last place that we are, not the starting place for figuring out what we ought to do. I think both sides have to assume responsibility, and they're obviously going to do it given the assets that they can bring to it. But we're really having, in my mind, a wrong discussion when we start saying, well, what else do we need technically to figure it out? We have everything we need technically to address this problem, to mitigate the problem. What do we need legally to do it? We have what we need legally to do it. We need to come up with methodologies that apply to the particular circumstances and the particular customers in order to be successful at this. And then, Joe, overall, legal concerns surrounding information security are, of course, increasing, and it is an emerging area, even though it's an area that we have been talking about for some time. What do you see ahead for 2013, and how will some of these sessions address some of those concerns? I see more of the same in 2013. I think we're going to continue to see activity with respect to account takeovers. I mean, we've already started to see a little bit of that in, in, uh, I think it was in the beginning of the year, there were the DDoS attacks on banks in San Francisco, and but it resulted in several hundred thousand dollar account takeover. So the bad guys aren't going to stop, and they're going to start to employ even more severe measures to aid them uh, in taking over these accounts. You know, the response, I think, of the regulatory community was to say banks have a responsibility of risk assessment and risk analysis and implementing the uh, appropriate types of programs to address these risks and to be aware of the changing nature of the risk. So I predict more distributed denial of service attack on bank accounts. The bad guys are going to keep doing it until we prove that it's not going to be successful. That, to me, is definitely something that we're going to see in 2013. Now, Joe, on that point about the DDoS attacks, you know, institutions have repeatedly said, at least when it comes to some of the hacktivist attacks that we've seen, that they have not seen fraud perpetrated in the background. And there are so many different actors that could be waging these DDoS attacks. It has been a challenge to kind of differentiate what these attacks are really after in the DDoS arena. 
but the attacks that I was talking about, they were definitely attacks in which there were account transfers. And so I don't know. I think that if you have one, two, or three of those, is that going to be enough for people to say, we've got to come up with some procedures and some methods to try to recognize and deal with these attacks? How do we communicate with customers when our website is down? What's our procedure for doing that? What do we educate or tell our customers that they should be doing when they run into a situation where they try to log on to the bank's web account and they get a message that seems to indicate that the bank system is down or offline? What should customers do with that? There are a range of things that I think that can be done to try to mitigate those circumstances. Um, should banks have some sort of procedure when they have information, that uh, both technical information and information from customers or others that appears they're under a DDoS attack, what do they do with respect to outgoing transfers of funds from bank accounts at that time, et cetera, et cetera. So I don't I guess I don't believe it's a sufficient answer to say, well, it's difficult to tell whether this is uh, an activism attack or whether or not this is an attack in which they're trying to take money. I think that that's not an adequate answer. And certainly if I'm advising a financial institution and now I am looking at the potential liability, I certainly want to be in the best position possible to defend that lawsuit. That lawsuit's not the reason I'm doing it, but I certainly want to be in a position to defend that lawsuit if it comes by taking the appropriate security measures, reasonable measures. Joe, I want to thank you again for your time today. You're welcome. Nice to talk to you, and I look forward to seeing you at, uh, at the conference next week. Thanks, Joe. Again, we've just heard from Joseph Burton of Dwayne Morris. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten.